Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Man, so we're in a dangerous uh, week. Just letting you know, uh, this is a dangerous week. because. So we run a lot of series because I think this. I think that God, um, I think the Holy Spirit... Uh, moves in a way that leads and directs our church. Um, but what we do is I pray at the beginning of every year, where does the Lord want our church to go? And I feel like I pray that prayer until I feel like I know where we're going. And then we create series that back that up, right? Because I don't think you get anywhere by accident. Uh, anybody ever try to read the Bible and go, I'm just going to read wherever it falls open to. That's super dangerous because every time I do that, I go to Leviticus and I'm like, okay, I suck. Um, yeah, woe, woe under the man. Okay, let's turn the page. Okay. And or or like starting reading about Jesus and Matthew because by the time Jesus is born, I'm done with Matthew. I'm like, dude, you took, you know, and and some name I can't pronounce begets some other name that I can't pronounce. Have you ever have you ever asked somebody something and they start telling you a lineage of everybody around? So like, hey, whose house is that? Well, you know John. Yeah, I know John. Well, John has a cousin named Bill, and Bill married a woman named Sue, and Sue got divorced twice. And what? And by the time they're done, you like, I don't even care who owns the house. Like I just. I just thought it was a pretty house, and I don't, I kind of feel like that's Matthew for me. I'm like, okay, Matthew, just shut up. Just get me to, you know, we're in a stable, right? Um, but, so we're dangerous this week because I'm not in a series, and last week I taught on Moses um, because I thought it was really important, and I thought this week I'd be teaching on Moses, but the problem is, is I do a devotional every morning. Okay, that was a joke. Um, you, you really hope your pastor does a devotional a couple of times a day, um, but um Man, I got off into uh, Ephesians, and it was funny. I wish I could. I should have put this on screen. So every week, by a certain date, I send Steve, who is over our our, our media department for in in house media, uh, does our podcast, does a great job. Um, I send him my scriptures so they can put them in. And uh, so this <laughs> this week, I sent him Ephesians three, and he goes, "Okay, which verses?" I'm like, "All of it." He's like. 21 verses, question mark? Yeah, can we just kick out what I don't use? And he's like, okay, no problem. Uh, I, here's the great thing. I'm not doing all 21 verses. Uh, the bad news is we didn't kick out, we didn't vote a lot of people off the island, right? There was not. My problem was when I started reading it, like I couldn't figure out what to cut. Right? I love scripture verses where, um, so it, some people don't know this, but chapters and verses were not in the original manuscripts. So it was a letter. Um, have you ever tried to like give somebody a highlight of a series of text, and finally you just pull your phone out and go, hey, start right here and just read the whole thing? I feel like sometimes that's me in Scripture. Um, uh, when I was in seminary and even after that, uh, uh, we were taught this. Uh, you cook the whole steak, and then you cut the fat off. But sometimes the fat's marbled in. So anyway, so we're going to jump... Uh, to Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to begin in verse 14, and then I'm going to do this weird flip back, so just stay with me. So Ephesians chapter 14 says this, for this reason. Anytime you say for this reason, I want to know what the freaking reason was. Because you're about to say a whole bunch of stuff that you're telling me that for the reason that I just mentioned before, but I don't have any context for the reason before. So then I went to Ephesians chapter one, uh, chapter chapter 3 verse 1, which is like 14 chapters earlier, and Paul writes this, for this reason. It's a pretty big reason. Because it's called, Scripture calls it a double enunciation. So anytime God says something twice, generally there's something important that God's saying. And so what he says is this, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Let's just pause. Up until now, Gentile is anybody who's not Jewish. So you want to talk about people looking down their nose on other people? Like we've got race issues in our country and we've got all kinds of, we've got all kinds of, we've got hierarchy stuff. You ever gone into a fancy restaurant and you didn't realize it was fancy and you're in like blue jeans and a tee and everybody else is in like suit coats and they're giving you the look. Like, like people choose all kinds of reasons to look down on people. Some people, as you get older, people look down on you. Our culture, uh, Western culture is the only culture that devalues people as they get older. Every, every other culture values people the older that they get. Go to like Eastern culture, and dude, if you're old, like you get all kinds of honor. Like uh, some of our friends are from, from Korea, 
and they'll literally find out how old you are, like a bunch of teenagers. And the oldest teenager, they'll call him sir. Because they give honor to age. So what happens is, is Paul writes and says, um, I, Paul, am sent to these Gentiles. Gentiles are basically Jewish ways of going, all you heathens. <laughs> because if God really loved you, He would have made you Jewish. Because up to now, the people, you, you really were, there were two types of Jews. There were people that were born Jewish and people that converted to Judaism. But if you were converted to Judaism, you were kind of the redheaded stepchild. You weren't really a Jew. And Jesus said this, He said, man, I came not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. And what He was saying was, man, I didn't just come for people who, who, who were born into the right family and born into the right season and born under the right. I came for all of us. And Paul writes, because Paul calls himself at one time, he said, I'm a Jew among Jews. Paul grew up and more than likely had memorized the Torah by the time, which is, 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 is the early Old Testament Scriptures, had probably learned them word for word by the time he was a young man. He became not only an expert in, in the Scripture, but an expert in the law. More than likely he was there at the stoning of Stephen. Had his Damascus Road experience. And now he writes this, he said, you know, and, and I'm go back to verse one just for a second. And he said this. He said, um, a prisoner of Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles. Paul said, Man, I spent my whole life thinking I was going to do one thing and I found myself doing something different. Because if Paul would have been sent to the Jews, he's got that down. But he's sent to this group of people that he's looked down on his nose his whole life. Verse two. He said this assuming you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by the revelation as I've written briefly. He goes on and he says this, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men of other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit, or by the holy apostles, and by the prophets, by the Spirit. This is the mystery that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ, or promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. For this reason, I bow my knees. Now we jump to verse 14. I want you to say, I want you to understand something. He, he looks and he says this. He said, here's the mystery that I'm about to unveil for you. Here's the reason. And he said, you are made full heirs to every promise Jesus ever made. Not only the ones that Jesus made, but because you're heirs, it's, it's, it's every promise that was ever made all the way back to the beginning of time. So, so the covenant God made with Abraham, you're co-heirs with it. The promise that Jesus made of redemption and grace, you're heirs with it. There's nothing in the Bible that is off limits to you just because you're a Gentile. And then he goes on and he says, because he starts and he says, for this reason, for what reason? For the fact that, that, that I'm right with God. For the fact that I'm a co-heir with Jesus. For the fact that, that, that I am everything that God ever said I was supposed to be. I'm already that because I've been adopted by Jesus. And then in verse 14 he said this, for that reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And then he's going to go on, he's going to talk about family, he's going to talk about some other stuff and I'm going to lean into it in just a second. But Paul said this, he said, because I understand who God is and what God made me, it affected my worship. More important, it affected my life. Um, I love this. I love that in verses 1-6, through six, God shows us three things. He shows us that Gentiles are heirs. Well, how many days do you get up, look in the mirror, you mug first thing in the morning. Women, you don't have any makeup on. Scaring yourself going to the mirror first thing in the morning. I start doing this, pushing the bags under my eyes up. I'm like, man, you looking old, cuz. I don't know what happened. Right. And anybody do the long, hard look in the morning, just figuring out what you got to fix before the day starts? You're just like, man, what is it? Fix your face. Fix your face. Right. Like, what do I need to. Um, 
Very rarely do I get up and look in the mirror and go, man, you are, you are an heir of God. Like, what does that mean? That means that, that everything that, that Jesus has access to, I have access to. I have power, I have authority, I have, I have provision, I have... But when I look in the mirror, that's not what I see. So the first thing he does is he looks in there and says, man, the first thing you've got to realize is that Gentiles are heirs. Number two, he talks about being part of the family of God. When was the last time you looked in the mirror and said, I'm part of a bigger family? Like, I'm part of something bigger than what I am. But I'm big enough to be here. And then he goes on to the third thing. He said this, he said, we're partakers of every promise God ever made. I love having theological debates, not really, with people because I just, I just don't think it's that great. But I have people that go, man, well, that promise was for these people or that promise. And I'm like, man, if God wrote it in the Bible, it's for me. You're not going to convince me otherwise because I, God did not love Abraham more than He loves Adam. God didn't love the 12 disciples more than He loves me. Uh, Michael was talking today. I hope this is okay to share. I should have got permission. But he, he was talking. He said, man, I'm a little nervous about leading worship this morning. I said, why? Man, here's, here's the reality. And, and this, is my, this is my conversation with you today. I'm not trying to impress you with my teaching. It ain't all that great. What I am asking you to do is go on a journey with me of faith. I want to have a conversation where you're asking questions and asking God questions and then answering them through the week. I looked at Michael and I said, man, you may be nervous about leading worship, but here's the thing. All you're doing is asking people to join you in what you already do. You may do you worship all the time at your house. These are songs that if nobody was around, you'd pick up the guitar and he'd probably play eight 80 songs first. And then just to warm up, let's just call it what it is. And then he would, then he would sit there and he would start playing some of these worship songs and he'd begin to worship God himself. Do you know why? Because when we lead, we're not doing something that is out of our character. We are doing what's already in our character. But here's the question. If you don't know who and what your character is, how do you ever really set yourself into life? Does this make sense? Like, like how do you walk into a room and pull your shoulders back and be confident? How do you go into a marriage? How do you go into a business deal? How do you go into a classroom? How do you go on a date and have the confidence that it takes to be what God created you to be? Here's what I believe. I believe that a lot of people wrestle between two mindsets. Who God really created them to be and who they struggle not to be. Scripture says this, it says, how long will you vacillate or, or, or waver between two opinions? If God is God, then serve God. And if God's not, go do whatever the heck you want to do. And I think, I think that when Paul writes this, he's beginning to lean into that question a little bit of going, of going man, who are you really? Um, Craig Rochelle said this. Well, let me stop. When you look in that mirror and you're, 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 you're trying to figure out which one of those people you want to be, what do you really think? Like if I put a mirror on stage right now and said, I want you to look into it. And I want you to tell me who you are. What does that definition really look like? Would you, would you start out going, man, I am a child of the Most High God. God's given me power and God's given me authority and God's given me influence. And you know what? Um, Man, I've you know I have all kinds of potential today, and I've got all kinds of like like what would you write about yourself, or would the narrative look totally different? I've got bags under my eyes. <laughs> I'm looking old. I'm just trying to make it through the day. I'm just trying to be a. Uh, I'm just trying to survive as a mom, or I'm trying to survive as a husband, or as a father, or or man, I'm just. You know, man, I'm just trying to pay the rent. Or I'm just, man, does it look more like survival? Does, does the outlook that you have on your own life, does it look like, like Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to bless you and prosper and give you hope and a future. Does it look like that? Or does it look like a pessimistic out view of who you are? Craig Rochelle said this. Uh, he said, you do what you do because of what you think about you. You do what you do because of what you think about you. 
Here's what I really believe. Such as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But what do you really think about you? Because what you think about you ultimately is going to intersect with what you think about God. So there are two questions that I hope to answer today. One is, what do you think about you? And two, what do you think about God? I mean, like, really think about God. Because I don't think people struggle with who God is in this big, like, like world perspective of who God is. I think we struggle on the micro level. And it's not because we struggle with God. Because I struggle with me. So what Paul writes, Paul writes from a place of, and we're going to lean into it in just a second, the confidence that Paul writes with, uh, verse 8 of this, and, and I've had y'all kick that out, but verse 8 of this, I think it was, um, said this, said, uh, Paul said, um, hold on, I've got it up on my phone. Is this okay if I'm like super unprofessional and just read this? It says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Listen to what Paul said. Paul, at one point in Scripture, says, I, Paul, chief among sinners. Paul said, look, if you screw up, I'm driving the bus of screw up. Right? Like, like I'm, I am the screw up of screw ups. Like, I stoned a dude that God loved. I literally watched people throw stones at this guy until life left his body. He was, he was, he was, Stephen was, was absolutely like pulverized. And more than likely, it was at the leadership of Paul's hand. Paul lived with regret. Paul writes and says this, he says, not that I'm the best Christian there is on the planet. You ever feel like that? Well, let me ask you a question. How many times do you follow that sentence up with, but I'm connected to Christ and His boundless riches? Like, that should be exciting, right? Like, look, I'm not it. Can I say this? Why don't we treat it like, like, like our greatness with God and our, our relationship with God is super affected by us? You didn't do anything to save you. All you did was say yes. Then, from that moment on, you try to look more and more like Jesus. Can we be honest? You try and fail to look like Jesus. Your forgiveness is based on His love, His compassion, His mercy, His grace, not on you. All God wants you to do is get in this long relationship and start seeing yourself different because when you see yourself different, you'll see God different. Because what you think about you determines what you do. So watch this. So many times, I said this a couple weeks ago, I was driving, felt like the Lord showed this to me. And He said, you can't run from something. You have to run to something. Let me show you what that looks like. I think, um, I think this. Um, how many people do you know that smoke? We were talking about this earlier. Those of us who smoke back in the day. And, and I had a friend, I'm like, hey, man, you need to quit smoking, dude. That's bad for you. And he goes, I know, man, I can quit any time I want to. I, I quit 21 times already. Now we laugh about that, but can I be honest with you? I've been eating healthy, and I, I, I quit cheeseburgers. But I keep going back to them. <laughs> no, can I get a witness? Like, 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 I, I, walk, like I don't even like potatoes. I'm just going to tell myself. I, so I hadn't had any processed food in like three months. And my wife and son were gone, so I had to watch the dog. Don't judge us. We're that, we're that dog family. And I went in my, in my pantry, and we keep some snack food for people that don't eat like we do. And I looked in, and right before I went on keto, um, Jay, the guy who helped me go on keto, gave me a box of chips. And I gave them, like the little individual, so I gave them all away, but a couple bags we were going to save for other people. And I know they're bad for me. Preserved foods are horrible for you, but I walked by one of those bags of chips and <laughs> Chips talk to me like that sometimes. <laughs> I tried to play it cool. I was like, what's up? And they're like, here I am. And I was like, okay, let's go out. And so I ate them. And my wife came in. Now look, my wife is so observant. She walked in our pantry. They're in a basket with like napkins and stuff sitting on them. She walked in and went, you ate a bag of chips, didn't you? And I was like. 
<laughs> I did the walk of shame through our kitchen. I'm so, I'm sorry. I just, you know. So, so I sat there and I'm like, it, it's funny how, how we, you know, three months, I ate fairly great. But then I feel like I'm judged on this one failure. And then, have you ever noticed that, that if you're on a diet and eat one thing bad, you feel like it's a license to eat everything bad because you've screwed up and there's no going back? I mean, I might as well just die fat and alone. That's what I'm thinking. Just sit on the floor with my potato chips and just eat them until I die. Because what happens is the enemy wants to convince you that once you sin once, you should just become comfortable with it and keep on sinning because there's no hope. But what Scripture says is this. He said, man, I've given you all access to be a son or daughter of God. Matter of fact, I want to pick up in verse 14. He says this. He said, for this reason, I bow my, head, I bow my knees before my Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He goes on and he says this. That a, are we right? Did we skip a verse? For the, uh, verse 15. Uh, um, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the strengths what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to Him who's able to do abundantly more than we ask, think, or believe according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. Amen. I love that he, at the end of this He says throughout, throughout all generations because here's the thing that God wants you to realize is that what we're getting ready to talk about never goes away. It was, from, it was from the time of Jesus un, until His return. So here's the thing. God, when Paul, when Paul has this conversation with, with the church at Ephesians, right? He, he's, he's having this conversation, but he's not having the conversation from the same standpoint you and I have conversation with God or with other people. Because Paul writes and, and he's like, you need to understand who we are. He said, there, there, there are four or five things I need you to understand. First of all, God is going to grant you strength. Is that not what he said? He said, God who grants all strength. He said, man, first of all, you're strong. Can I be honest? When, when I watch the news, I don't feel strong. When I look at the economic forecast, when I look at the political scene, when I look at... I don't feel like I'm made for this. I'm tired. Well, I'm tired of of the devil. Like if I could go back and live with Andy Griffith, I'd be pretty happy. But sometimes I look at God, I'm like, God, I, I'm not strong enough for the world that I live in right now. But God looked at me and He said this. He said, because I adopted you, you're strong enough. He goes on and He says this. He said, I want you to know that you can have power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Now we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit next week. Because here's the thing. Holy Spirit's third person of Godhead. And it's the one everybody flips out about. Depending on your biblical background, your church background, uh, uh, the Father, like everybody's good with God the Father. Sit on His throne. We're cool with Him. He sits there, doesn't really do anything, speaks things into existence. Like, we're all right with Him. All right, y'all, I'm losing you. Just, I just mentioned the Holy... See, I just mentioned the Holy Spirit and the, and the, 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 the air goes out of the room because you don't know what direction we're going, right? Like, is this going to be one of them weird things? Is it going to be one of those good things? Is... See where you land. Then we get to Jesus. Everybody likes Jesus. Jesus died for us. Jesus turned water into wine. We like people that bring wine to the party. I'm just saying like, like, like we're okay with Jesus. But then Jesus makes a statement that looks like this. He said, it's, it's prudent that I go be with the Father so that I can send a comforter. I'm good with comfort. I live for comfort. I put air conditioning and heat in my house because I like comfort. I sleep with a pillow because I like comfort. I have, I have pants with long legs and short legs because I like 
I hang around with people who like me. Because I like being comfortable. God said this, He said, but not only am I sending the Holy Spirit to comfort you, but I'm, I'm, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to give you power. Power to do what? Live. Now, can, can we acknowledge that some weird stuff has been blamed on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit may or may not have had anything to do with? But can we also acknowledge the fact that some of us run from stuff we don't understand because we'd rather be comfortable than informed and participating? And there's a time that we're just going to lean in, and it's next week, so if you want to skip a service because we make you uncomfortable, skip next week. But I think for you not to know part of the Godhead is to ignore a, a major part of your Christian experience. Now, if you know me, I don't do, well, I do some weird stuff, but not like, you know, not like, like we're not bringing snakes out of a box or anything. Like, we're not going to do that, but we're going to know who the Holy Spirit is. We're going to know why God sent him. Because if he sent him, he sent him here to do something. If the Holy Spirit wants to do something, he wants to do something through you, shouldn't you know what the heck's going on? I'm tired of hearing people go this, well, I just had this feeling that I was supposed to do it. And I know you felt the Holy Spirit. It gave you power to know something that you didn't know. What weird, you just knew it, right? Yeah, well, okay. Let's talk about it. So that you can quit blaming God on a feeling. Because God is more than a feeling. He's a movement. He's a person. The third person. The Holy Spirit has a personality and He's got a rhythm and He's got right just like Jesus does. If Jesus doesn't flip you out, the Holy Spirit shouldn't flip you out. Thank you. I'm going to get you all excited about the Holy Spirit yet. I'm just telling you. You go, yeah, but I don't know about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, don't know about them then. And I don't know about that tongue saying, okay, well, don't know about it. Don't be okay with it. Is it okay to know about it and not be okay with it? Okay, God, that flips me out. Well, first of all, that's not a shock to God. God's flipped me out a whole bunch. Over far worse, right? Like, I don't mean this. So I just sit here and I'm like, man, we're going to lean into this. But, but God, God and Paul echoes and says this, man, you're going to have power. Power to do what? To be stronger when you're weak. To be lifted up when you're down. To be comforted when you mourn. But here's the thing, we have to lean into knowing that God, your Holy Spirit is with me. I need the Holy Spirit to guide and direct me. Man, as a parent, I need the Holy Spirit to whisper words of knowledge in my head that I don't have. Like when my kid pulls out of the driveway, if something's going to happen and I can pray against it, show it to me, God. I mean, I don't need you like to write on a wall because every time we do, somebody dies. Like, I'm not into that. But like, whisper into my heart so that I'll, I'll just pray about it, not even know the reason why, but you're the why. Or, or, or God, let me, you know, can you just lay somebody on my heart? So, so um, one of the guys serves on our, our board of directors, um, and I'm going to ask at the end of service, we're just going to pray for him, but, but the lady works with my wife, and there's an intersection. Uh, Bobby, who's on our board of directors, is a, is, is a um, salesman to, to Tracy's company. They don't interact much, but um, other than friends, but uh, one of the ladies there's daughter had skin cancer. And it went away, and we praise God for that. She's in her 20s, and uh, it's back. And um, he didn't know that they called in hospice. But he sent her a text, and he said, hey, I'm praying for you. I, you know. And she said, um, shot a text back. She said, she's not long for this world. I don't know how mama prays that prayer, like my heart. Like, I don't know that I'm that strong. Is that, is that fair to say, that I don't know that I'm strong enough to lose a kid? Pray to God I never find out. And he said, man, I just felt the Holy Spirit say it so strong that I needed to text her. And I'm like, you know why? Because that's power. Power to what? Power to let somebody know that God is thinking about them in a time where they think that God could have forgot them. That's the power that we're talking about. And the Holy Spirit doesn't trip us out. He empowers us to do things beyond our ability. Part of it is we have to see ourselves worthy of God moving in our lives and through our lives. What you think about you will determine what you do. So if I see myself as being a man or woman of God, my actions will follow it. Because I'm not running from my sin, I'm running to my Savior. I'm not running from my past, I'm running to my purpose. Because once I see myself as a son or a daughter of God, my decisions change. 
Not because I'm trying to be good, but I'm just trying to be what God created me to be. Does this make sense? Like, like, like I don't go out and try to be a pastor. I used to. Did the come over? Had the no, the for real. Man, and then I switched to the rod parsley forward and up. I had the polyester blend suit. I still got a couple of them. I gave a bunch of them away. Got a couple. Weddings and funerals. That's all I wear them for, man. I'm just telling you, you see me in a, few, in a suit, wedding or funeral. Or it's a really good date night. I'm just letting you know, one of the three. Somebody gave us a gift certificate somewhere. Just, those are the three things. But here's the thing. I can be a pastor in ratty blue jeans and a t-shirt. I'm a pastor in my New Balance. I never will forget when, when when culture started shifting a little bit. I went to my first hospital visit, New Balance, a pair of skinny jeans and a t-shirt, and I said, "I'm here to do a pastoral visit." And they buzzed me in, ICU, and I came. It was pre-COVID, right? I came walking in, and they're like, "Sir, sir, there's a pastor waiting to get in." I'm like, "He's in." And I never will get the look. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The look didn't affect the prayer. The look didn't affect the passion. The look didn't affect the presence of God. See, here's the thing. When you see yourself as a man or woman of God, when you see yourself full of power and full of the Holy Spirit, and He said this, rooted and grounded in love. God, I'm full of love. I don't always act like it. Walmart. I don't always act like it. But you know what? The more I see myself as being a man full of love, the easier it is to let that love th flow through my life. And when I'm on the interstate and I get ready to give you know, the, the, the unicorn finger, and, and then I'm like, you know what, God, you created me to be a man of love. I'm better than this. I'm better than it. I'm not running from the finger. I'm running to my destiny. You see how it begins to shift you? God, you know what? I, maybe I'm a five on the outside. But I'm a 10 on the inside. Because man, I love people well. I'm rooted in love. I'm man, I, People will love me not because of my looks, but because of the content of my character. Because of you living inside of me. God, I'm believing this. There's so much love in me. People set out to be mean to me and they're going to fall in love with me. Man, I'm magnetic. Not because of me, but because of you in me. My boss is looking for a way to fire me. God, I'm just going to pray and love him so well. He promotes me. Ooh, look at you and me. That's why Paul said, because of these things, for this reason, I bow my knee and I worship God. Because it's not me, but yet Christ that lives in me. And when I figure out who God is, because remember I said, the way you see you and the way you see God, are, there's a correlation there. How does God really feel about you? Is God passionately in love with you? Flaws and all? Yeah, but you don't understand my past. Have you ever had a dude killed? Paul did. And Paul writes so much different than we do. If you listen to Paul, Paul writes this one line about, you know, I pretty much suck, right? Can I just say that? This was his line in verse 8. He's like, I'm not what God created me to be, blah, blah, blah. He said, but. Your but will either get you into trouble or out of it. Some of y'all need to grow your butt. Because. That was good. It wasn't in my notes if you were guessing. Your butt will either lead you further down a rabbit hole of despair and misery and that kind of thing or lead you out of it. Well, God, I'm not everything I'm supposed to be. But, I'm working on it. But the Holy Spirit moves in my life. But I'm full of power. But God, God said that I'm an heir into His family. But my butt can get me into or out of a bad mood. I'm a student. I failed a test. But with God... Working through me, all things are possible. Listen, I had a 34 average in, um, in algebra when you back then. I don't know how it is now. Don't laugh at me. I saw people looking at each other. Don't do that. Look, th there's never been an X equation in a pastor's message. I'm just letting you know it. it like, it may be there next week, but X equals, I don't care. Why are we adding and subtracting with letters? Who's the fool now? I'm just saying. But back then, there was a state test that if you passed it, you and your average was lower than your 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 test score was higher than your average. You had to go with the higher of the two grades. I did what any man of God would do. I took a dice and I labeled it A B C D. 
E, I think. Anyway, I'd finish my state exam, 150 questions, in five minutes. I figured the dice had as good a job as I did. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, literally, I went to my teacher and I said, look, here's the deal. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm not going to bother you. You're not going to bother me. I'll turn in what I, what I can catch up on because I'm so far behind right now. I'm never going to catch up. And you just fail me at the end of the year. She said, okay, deal. She didn't like me anyway. I made an 80 on the state exam. Oh, she was mad. Five minutes. Do you know why? Because God's a God of miracles. <laughs> My guidance counselor came to me and said, would you like to take algebra two? I said, would you like to walk in front of a bus? Because <laughs> those two things sound about the same to me, right? Because the way you see, because from that moment, I'd always been functional in math. But because of that bad experience, I saw myself as less than in math and I've never done anything further with it. Because how you see yourself determines how you react to the rest of the world. If you see yourself as a screw-up, as a failure, if you let some moment of your past begin to define you, it will define you the rest of your life. Here's the thing. A word can only be defined by one source. You can either let God define you or you can begin to define yourself. But both definitions can't be true. And the voice that you give more, more value to is the one that you'll live up to the to the resource to. You ever had a teacher look at you and go, you can do it. You're like, no, I can't. Yeah, you can. No, I can't. Maybe I can. Okay, I can. Hey, I did it. Because you'll live up to or fail to the expectation. God goes on and says this. He says, um, there was Apostle Paul, he said, I want you to understand the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of who God is. How? How do you understand that God is forgiven? You got to be forgiven. How do you understand that God picks people up when they fall? You got to fall. How do you understand that God fans the sails of our success and, and that you can be successful and a believer at the same time? You got to have success. Does this make sense? The only way you understand all the, all the nuances of God is to experience them. I can't understand something I've never experienced. Anybody ever sat in class and they start telling you how to do something and then you're like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, great. Show it to me. Now I get it. God doesn't want you to have a head knowledge of who He is. He wants you to have a heart experiential knowledge of who He is. But what we do is this, is we want to, we want to tell God He's wrong for letting us experience the height, the highs, the depths, the lows, the right and left, the, the, the girth of who God is. We just want to live on the mountaintop. And God said, I'm not just the God of the mountaintop. I got to be a God in the valley. I got to be a God when things are going great. I got to be a God when things are going bad. I got to let you do things that you never thought that you could ever do. I don't talk in front of people. Don't ever say that. that so, then God's going to call you to do it. You know why? Because God will mess with you. Well, I'm not a public speaker. He's like, well, that's why I called you because I, I, I like using people that don't have the guilt, giftings so that I can show them that I'm the gift. God, I just, I don't pray out loud. Oh, just please stop. You're just teeing God up. Like, like you're just setting up. Does this make sense? What if you said this? What if you said, God, here's the thing. Whatever you call me to do today, I'm enough. Not enough because I'm enough. I'm enough because you're enough. And that's what Paul was really saying. He, Paul wasn't being negative about himself. Because Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Because God, if you send it this way, I can hit it. I may not want to. I may be scared out of my mind. Listen, I've walked out on platforms. Every, every week I go into the green room just for a minute before it, Third song at the end of it, I go in the green room. It's not because I'm being cool and walking out on stage. I just need a minute for everybody to be quiet in my head. Because here's my prayer. I think Elevation wrote it. Michael and I were talking about this before service. I'm not enough unless you come and meet me right here in a six by six square that I walk in. I'm not enough, God. I'm not smart enough to change your life. I'm not 
I'm not funny enough to keep you and get God. I am not, not enough. But with you, man, I'm more than enough. With you, we'll see lives change. God, I don't see myself for what I can't do. I see myself as a field of opportunity today that you can do anything you want to through. And God, you can turn my haters into my cheerleaders. God, you can turn, honestly, you can turn some of my cheerleaders into my haters because sometimes I need people telling me I can't do it so that I get determined to do it. All my men know exactly what I'm talking about. Please, for the love of God, somebody tell me I can't. I may break it, but it's going to happen. It may be the dumbest idea on the planet, and I'm going to make it happen, Captain. You know what I'm talking about? Because this, not only did God give me a vision, God gave me determination. I'm okay with strikes. Any baseball fans in the house? There's a reason they give you three strikes. Because they want you to hit the ball. There's a reason God will let you fail multiple times before you succeed, because He loves determination. He loves people that are so passionate that when dad says to do it, you don't take no for an answer. He goes on and he says this. He said, and his love surpasses all knowledge. How do you know that? Because you need the love of a father. So much of your identity is wrapped up into who you think God is and how you think God thinks about you. I think this, I think that, that today... Maybe a new day for people to really lean into that question of who am I? Like not who am I now? Who, who am I created to be? What does it look like? Well, I've cussed my whole life. Well, maybe today's the day you stop. Yeah, but I'm 70. I don't care. I mean, Abraham had a kid when he was like 5,000 years old. Don't pray over that one. We were talking about that earlier too. I'm 48 years old. I'm not chasing a little kid around. If it ain't a grandbaby that I can send home, no. I mean, if you got the gifting for it, praise God. That anointing is not here. You know what? Because when you're anointed, when you know what you're anointed to do, you also know what you're anointed not to do. Man, I'm not anointed to be a sinner. I'm not good at sinning. Sinning bothers me. Sin causes something in my soul to be tormented. Like even before Jesus, when I sinned, I, there's something inside of me. It just didn't... Do you know why? Because I was never created for it. And when I see myself as somebody who's not created to sin, it helps me break those tendencies that cause me to sin. Why? Because we can't run away from something. We have to run to something. Here's the question. When are you going to stop running? When are you going to stop running to the thing that you were never created to be? A mindset that you were never created to be. He goes on and he says this, that that love surpasses knowledge so that you can be filled with the fullness of God. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you looked in the mirror and said, God, what does it look like to be full of you in my life? Well, that's contextually associated, right? God, if you're full of my life, what, is it, what would it look like if you were full of my life at work? What about with my kids? What about with my spouse? What about with my friends? God, what does it look like if I was really, really full of you? And I love this. On top of all these things, he said, I want you to do more abundantly than you can ask or think according to his power that is within us. That's the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, why? For God's glory through all generations. Here's what I believe. I believe that when you really answer this question, you'll do things that are so freaking out of your box, they'll, you'll flip yourself out. You'll start doing stuff and going, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Why am I being nice to them? They're a jerk. Hey, well, I, don't, I, don't know why, I don't know why I offered to take this guy to lunch. I didn't know. I don't know why I texted them and just told them I was praying for them. I don't know why I was praying for them. Every Sunday morning, I, te- I, just got a, I just got a response text. Um, every Sunday morning, I go through a list of pastors that I'm friends with. And I let them know that I'm praying for them in their church specifically this morning. Because you know what? I may, need the, I may be the one that needs somebody to pray for me next week because it's falling apart. I had a pastor text me a couple, days, a couple weeks ago. I texted him. I said, hey man, I just want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I send them these really spiritual things. I'm like, go crush it. Go kill it for Jesus. Some of them 
trip him out the first time I sent him, tell him to go to kill something for Jesus. But one of them said, man, you don't know. Our church is going through. And he began to tell me about a situation. And I got ready not to text him that morning. Because his services run about the same time ours do. And I don't want his watch going off in the middle of his message. But, oh, appreciate the interruption. But he's like, dude, you'll never know how much that, that text meant. Well, that wasn't me. I'm not that smart. Do you know who he is? The God of the universe. Who wants to use, of all things, of all jacked up things on this planet, he wants to use me. But he also wants to use you. So here's my challenge to you as we get ready to close. My challenge to you today is this. Are you willing to look in the mirror and ask God what you really look like? Who you're really supposed to be? And what He thinks about you? Because here's the thing, what you think about you will determine what you do. Are you somebody that God can use? With your past? And with your flaws and with your errors, I'm going to go ahead and answer that for God. I feel like I'm confident enough in, in the Scripture to do that. Yes. If you read Scripture, God loves using jacked up people to do amazing things for God. Why? Because they can't take any of the credit for it. Noah wasn't a shipbuilder. There weren't even ships. It hadn't even rained yet. Peter was not a disciple. He was, but he had to grow into it. Peter was not the dude you build your church on. Peter's the guy that gets fired by HR. The last thing he did before Jesus, is, besides denying him, the last thing he did with Jesus, this is his resume. I stabbed a dude. You know why? Because Jesus always calls things out of us that we can't see. What I'm asking you to do today is begin to take a week and see yourself the way that Jesus sees you. See, some people see themselves through the lens of divorce or through the lens of failure or the lens of abuse or the lens of, of tragedy or the lens of... I have people all the time come up and they want to tell me about their past. And can I be honest? I'll listen to your past story. I just won't listen long. You know why? Because I'm not interested in your past because God's not interested in your past. He's interested in your present and He's interested in your future. God will write a past off in a minute. The difference between us and God is God will forgive you and forget about it. You'll ask for forgiveness and then ask yourself to pay the penance for the problem that's already been atoned for. God forgives you. You don't forgive you. Because how you see you affects what you do. So here's what I want to extend to you. I want to extend to you the love and the grace and mercy of God this morning. Today may be a day when you take a fresh look in the mirror. And I know that past can be painful. I know that past can seem impossible to get over. But today, my friend, is a new day for you. Maybe it's a salvation moment, but maybe you're a believer. You just haven't turned the page yet. You haven't turned the page into the new identity. You haven't turned the page into who and what God's trying to do in and through you. Every head down, every eye closed. If you're here, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but if you're here and you go, you know what, Pastor? Today I need to turn the page. Today I need to start a new chapter. Today I need to forgive myself. Today I need to move on with who and what God created me to be. Today I need to, today is a new, man, I've got to look in the mirror and begin to re, allow God to redefine me. If that's you today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not because I need to see you, thank you so much, but because God, thank you so much, because God needs to know that you know that He's got your number. You need to have a moment where you build a marker and say, God, today my life changes. I've been fighting this thing maybe my whole life, but today is a new day. Thank you so much. Today, I change. Today, I'll never be the same. Today, I will let your Holy Spirit move in and through my life. Today, I will live a life of a purpose and a life of destiny, not because of who I am, God, but because of who you are. If that's you, I just want to pray over you this morning. In-house and online, Father, for every hand that went up across this place. God, I believe you're stirring something new. God, I believe you're letting us see 
ourselves in the reflection of a mirror that you're holding up to our life. God, today, I just pray that you, you stir the Holy Spirit inside of every hand that went up. God, every heart that was troubled. God, so that people can begin to see who and what you called them to be. God, you haven't given up on us, so God, we can't give up on us. God, you called us to something, so Father, we can't walk away from it. God, we, we have to stop being something we weren't created to be, to be what we were created. And Father, if we fail, let that be a moment where we find the height and the depth, the breadth of who you are. Because God, you're going to pick us up and we're going to start over again. But God, today we refuse to fail. We refuse to give up. We refuse not to be who and what you called us to be. Here today, maybe, maybe what you really need is a moment of salvation. Maybe you need to, to make that decision to follow Jesus once and for all. If that's you, whether you're here or online, will you just slip your hand up? Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you. For, the, for those that raised their hand, can we, just, can we pray together? And this seems like such a simple thing, but Scripture says that the, the, the simplest things of man, or the simplest things of God can find the wisest of man. Romans says this of man confesses with his mouth and believes in his heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then he shall be saved. Man, the, the requirements for salvation, God set the bar so low that anybody, even us Gentiles, even us sinners, can climb that ladder to Jesus. Because he made it an elevator. He did all the work. If you're one of those folks that raised your hand, or even if you're not, will you just pray with us across this building? Dear Heavenly Father, Right now, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. and Make me right with you. Today, I choose to follow you and to try to see myself the way you see me. Through the eyes of grace, mercy, and love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you just give these folks a round of applause? Biggest decision you can make. Absolutely. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.